Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was delightful in the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Not too long ago, uh, the, uh, one of the royal couples, is it Harry? Is that the one? And his wife, Merkel, Martin, Martina, I don't know. They decided they're not going to be royalty anymore. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about, by the way? The institutionalized reality TV show that we call the royalty of England. Uh, but you know what I'm talking about, though? And so they shocked the world. They almost like as if they're Jesus stepping down, right? We're going to make money our own way, which means selling our name and going around making money using our name. But anyhow... It kind of strikes a lot of people as crazy, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that they would do that. Leave the, you know, the, uh, what do you call it, the privileges of being royalty. The privileges of uh, all that that comes with, you know, the honor and, and I suppose financial, I guess, is what I've been told. Um, they would trade their name, their identity, for something else. My hunch is that they have a greater thing they've been sold on <laughs> that'll make them a lot more money than being royalty, but that's another topic. Trading in your identity, exchanging it for something else is really a constant theme of scripture and maybe even our own lives. Who are you matters. Your false illusion of who you are is what we hopefully strip away during Lent. But our beautiful reality of who we are, that is, we are, as Paul says, a free gift of God. We are the children of God. We're royalty. He has made it so. Undeservedly has given us that. And I hope that this time of Lent, you re-embrace what that means in your life. But the devil is always trying to tell you otherwise. And we see that right here. This, uh, quite frankly, Genesis, and this will be our next uh, Sunday Bible series will be Genesis. This sets the whole tone for the whole Bible. All you need to do is read Genesis and read Matthew. And maybe that Romans chapter 5 passage, and you are good. But we see right here the fall, right? And what's the essence of this fall here in chapter 3? You can look at it right now if you want to in your bulletin. Satan comes to the woman. And uh, notice, and they've been married for maybe a day, who knows? A little wedded bliss, but not long. Every time God gives something good, by the way, in your life, Satan is right there. To make you think that something good is not good. Did you notice this? He does this. He does, he does this. Here in St. James, I would suggest something good lavished upon us. Look at it, Sherry back there. We know great things lavished upon us, and then we frustrations come in. 
He's good. So here's Adam and Eve, and Satan comes to Eve. He's not going to talk to both of them because he divides. Because that's what sin does, and that's what Satan does. He loves loneliness. He loves isolation. He wants to isolate you and make you think that you're going crazy. He wants to separate. Because ultimately, the only thing he wants is to destroy. And he says to the woman, Did God actually say to you, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the tree, the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the the tree in the midst of the garden, nor even touch it, she says. So I think maybe Adam gave her a little extra law there to make sure we can't even touch that, right? (laughs) Because God didn't actually say that, right? Now Satan says, you will not surely die He's calling God out. He's telling Eve that God's the liar, not him. You notice this? His ultimate device, remember this, Satan's ultimate device is lies. Lying to get you to do something. And the lie is subtle. And it takes a little time to develop like it does right here. It doesn't come right out and say, tell you something crazy. But he slowly brings in that lie by opening up some gaps in God's word. Did he really say? Let's really look at what exactly he said, which causes you to start questioning what God says. So he can sneak in a subtle lie and then nail you with a hardcore in your face lie. He does this to all the time. I hope you recognize this in your life. He says, you're not going to surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This became interesting to the woman. She knows what God said. But now this uh, devil, this snake, is saying, not only did God, or that God said that because he's hiding something. There's something greater for you, right? You shouldn't be satisfied for what you have, even though you can eat of any fruit of the tree. Your life is awesome. You got a great marriage. Everything's going well. God has absolutely blessed you. And Satan says, that's not enough. Can you imagine being in the Garden of Eden? There is no death. There's no mourning. There's no tears. There's no broken relationship. And Satan says, this isn't good enough. You aren't good enough. Your identity as a child of God, Eve, wife of Adam, daughter of God. You could be so much more. And what does Eve do? It was this that clicked with her. She looks at the tree, the the fruit of the tree. It's good for food. It was a delight to the eyes, right? The senses are engaged. But ultimately, the tree was desired to make her like who? God. Not just in substance, but maybe I can skip the hierarchy and get up here. It's not enough that I'm here under God. I want to be equal with God. I'm not happy. Satan introduces this idea that you're not happy, nor should you be in your situation. It is not enough. You should not be happy with your identity. 
Wouldn't you rather be God? Do you understand this temptation in your life? I hope you can relate. An intelligent person relates to the bad people in the stories they read and news, not the heroes all the time. I hope you can relate to this, Eve. And I'll bet you can give me examples in your own life where Satan said, the grass is greener over here, quite frankly, right? But especially when it comes to identity, Eve had everything, and now she thinks maybe there's something better. And so I'm going to go against what God said. I'm going to reach for that thing. How sad as we know how it worked out. She takes this and she gives it to, she eats it and she gives it to Adam. And again, notice what is Adam's conversation with Satan? Nothing. (laughs) He's like, oh, food. Okay. Eats it. Terrible leadership on Adam's part and no way mentally engaged. (laughs) Just eats it. And their eyes are opened. And the first thing they see and they feel is extreme guilt. And they feel dirty because they took something that wasn't theirs. And now they don't trust each other because Eve, you gave me that fruit. And Eve's like, where the heck were you, Adam? They no longer know what each person's thinking. They're full of distrust. They are separated for good. And they run away from God because they're scared. And their identity of being safe in the arms of God, knowing he loves them and provides for them, becomes very cloudy. They're not so sure. First of all, they don't feel that they deserve that love anymore. They're scared. God said, you're going to die if you take this. They no longer really know what God thinks of them. They did know for a moment that he was madly in love with them and took care of them. But now they did not know. And rightfully so, they just stole from the one who gave them everything. They lost their identity, so they thought, because of their sin. And they're back even being worse off than what Satan was saying they were. And the devil smiled. That's all he needed. He didn't care if Adam and Eve died. He just wanted things to break and destroy. He has no plan. Evil never has actually a plan. (laughs) Just to destroy and destroy and destroy. Brothers and sisters in Christ, who are you? This Lent... As we focus upon who Jesus is, the one that died and rose, and who God is, also think about who you are. Because I think we get confused as to who we are. And we need to be reminded from this scripture lesson right here of who we are. First of all, you're not God. And you won't become God. And if you were God, you'd be the worst God ever. (laughs) I wouldn't want you to be God. That's such an important lesson. You are not God. You do not write the rules. 
of what right and wrong are, quite frankly. You don't tell God what you think he should think right or wrong are because you're not God. Man, if this was the only thing we talked about for six weeks, we'd really come out pretty healthy. <laughs> Real simple. You're, maybe every morning we need to wake up and look in the mirror and say, I am not God. You're not in charge of morality. He is. He knows a lot better. We follow him on right and wrong in our lives. You're not in charge of anything, in a sense. He's given you charge to be a good mom and dad, to take care of kids, to work the jobs you have. Those are awesome things. So you, you manage for him, but ultimately he's in charge. And this is a tough time right now as the markets are hurting because of the fear of the coronavirus. But man, it really backs up something God's been telling us for a long time. I mean, with all our technology, with all our abilities, all our money and riches, we can put satellites out of, uh, out of the, the solar system. And a little microscopic organism just takes people down and we're rushing around trying to figure it out out of control we have no control and this will be conquered and we'll take care of this but there will be another one isn't that crazy and yet we think we're something else we think we're all powerful and we can solve all the problems in the world and yet still the death rate of human beings is exactly the same it was after Adam and Eve fell Literally nothing has changed. People are still wanting to be God. People still are dying. Don't listen to Satan. He's lying. We have a better person to listen to, Jesus Christ. I hope you see the parallel of Adam and Eve coming into the world and Satan tempting and now as Paul says in Romans chapter 5 another man comes in God takes some flesh Jesus is the second human being like Adam and Eve without sin and he comes into the world and guess who shows up it is Satan and what is his question it's the same question really ultimately of Adam and Eve right of Eve just like Satan wanted Eve to reach up higher and be greater, right? And to reject who she is and become something else. Satan comes to Jesus. Did you notice this? His temptation is really the same. If you are the son of God, then what? What's Jesus doing in the wilderness? Is he living the high life as royalty? He is purposely, voluntarily suffering, not eating, focusing, because he's about to begin even more suffering for you and for me. And so Satan says, if you are the son of God, what are you doing suffering? Almost, I would say almost saying, You're, you took this job from your dad. I know who you are. I know who your dad is. He kicked me out because I wanted to be like him. And here you are, the son of God, royalty, out in the wilderness. 
hungry, dirty, hurting. That's no way for the Son of God to live. Quite frankly, Satan's not lying at all. If you are the Son of God, make these stones turn to bread. You shouldn't be hungry. You shouldn't suffer. Satan wanted rebellion in the Trinity. And Jesus refuses three times. Even though he did have every right to not suffer. He had no business having to go hungry, let alone die on the cross. Yet Christ did what Adam and Eve failed to do. He pushed off the devil. He continued his journey and kept his identity as the Son of God and most especially important to us, the Savior of the kids of Adam and Eve, you and me. And not only that in the wilderness, but he goes to the cross and he lays his life down. He doesn't, we're always wanting to be more than we are. God amazingly desired to be less than he is to save you. As he hung between two criminals. How incredible is that? How opposite. We're going one way, going up this way. All the while, God's coming down this way to us where we are. Because he's madly in love with us, no matter our stupid rebellion, our always desire to be like him. And died and he rose for you and for me. And in baptism, he tells you, you are a son of God. And every morning after you say, I'm not God, you can say, I'm a daughter of God. Washed clean of my sins, I will rise again. He's got me. It's going to be okay. And let me tell you, I'm sure you hear it. Satan whispers otherwise. Not only does he try to tempt you to think, oh, you can do your own thing. You can tell God how to run your life. But he also likes to whisper in your ears, do you think you are a son of God, a daughter of God? What you did, what you think, you think that you're a daughter, you're hurting, you're sick, you're out of a job, God loves you. Same thing, right? Don't listen. Every morning, cling to Jesus' words about who you are. A daughter of God, a child of God, forgiven by God. Just Paul says it over and over. A free gift of righteousness. You are right with God because he gives it to you. This Lent, repeat two things every morning. I'm not God. (laughs) I am a child of God. By the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us rise and confess the faith.